Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to the show, Jeremy Gretchen. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. So one of the things we're going to be doing this week is looking back at some of the actual four interviews we've done at some past events. This week is going to come from the Wizard World Comic Con. This is per your request. People are starting to get a little bit nostalgic. I know I am to be able yes. to get back to some actual live events. And we're hoping that that's going to be coming up. We've actually got a lot of things on the list. Through July, it seems like everything's virtual. So the Comic Con in San Diego, the Game Developers Conference are going to be virtual. But in August, they are planning for live events, starting with the Star Trek convention. And there's a number of technology shows and Comic Cons planned for the fall. So, you know, we'll have to see where that goes. But I'm looking forward to actually doing something when it's safe to. I don't know about you guys. Absolutely. Definitely. All right. So with no further ado, let's go into the news for this week. Today's news is brought to you by Symposium Coffee and Whiskey House. Make your day count. We are in Old Town Sherwood and Tiger. SymposiumCoffee.com. So what is in the news this week? Coinbase hack victim doesn't have many legal avenues in the U.S. So in other words, they don't really have any rights? They don't have a lot of rights. They tried to uh, uh, get this. So what happened here is this is an individual that had uh, Coinbase digital currency. Coinbase is another digital currency like Bitcoin or that type of a thing. Okay. He had an account and he was watching it and someone hacked into the account converted the Coinbase into, I think it was Bitcoin, and then sent it somewhere else, and you couldn't stop it. And the U.S. laws, for what he's saying, don't really seem to protect this type of a thing. He hasn't been able to get his money back. And on top of that, Bitcoin has no support people. Everything is done by bots. There's no way to call anybody. In fact, if you go to Bitcoin's website, it actually says that, that they don't offer real human support. So this type of a situation is interesting, and we're going to be talking cryptocurrency in the next couple of weeks here and some more of the details on it. But it is something definitely to be careful with, because since it's money that's not actually backed by anything, there aren't the same rules that you would have if someone broke in and stole money from your regular checking account. IS 14.5 is released. Yes. iOS, actually, if it's, it's the portable version. For the what did I say? Uh, you said, you said IS. IS. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at you like, really? Right. <laughs> Which is actually a different thing. But anyway, um, so, yeah, well. 14.5 is being called by many technology experts is the interim version that has the most updates ever. So in other That's words, good. normally when you buy a phone, you get a whole bunch of new features. This gives a lot of new features to your existing phone. And some of the features on this are pretty cool. A lot of it has to do with privacy, and one of them's been the controversial one. We've talked about it here in the past, where you can turn off ad tracking. In fact, it prompts you on all apps if you want that on and defaults to off. It's something that Facebook and big tech is worried about because they can't target advertising if you turn it off. Now, this doesn't mean you won't get advertising. You just won't have the situation where when you search for bagels, the next 20 websites give you ads about bagels. That's <laughs> yeah. what this is about. That's, so That's good. I don't need, once I've already bought the bagel, I don't need 40 more. So they're doing <laughs> a number of updates for Siri and a number of other things. And I invite you to check this out on our Tech Wednesday blog at theanswerportland.com. We go into a lot more detail on this. Farming robot kills 100,000 weeds per hour with 
laser. Yeah, talk about sounding sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> so, just I have this image. Of, yeah, me too. And it doesn't look like it actually has anything that dramatic, but uh, it's still the same idea. Just to give you an idea of a comparison here, a person can weed about one acre of crops a day, and the smart robot can weed about twenty. So there is a huge uh, advantage to just output and efficiency and that type of a thing. And weed control is a big deal for farmers because they compete for the space for their crops, soil nutrients, all that kind of stuff. So dealing with this is a big deal. And using herbicides, we had problems in the past with things like DDT that have been outlawed now. But even modern stuff can be uh, dangerous and can have side effects. So this is an interesting way to deal with it without having to put chemicals down and being able to get a lot more efficiency. So basically what it does is it drives itself up and down rows of crops. It has 12 cameras, an onboard mm -hmm. computer, an AI, which can identify the weeds, and the cool. weeds, carbon dioxide lasers, then zap and kill the plants. I want this to come in and trim down the junipers, or maybe get rid of the junipers. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know if it would go that tall, but it might. I don't know. <laughs> I'm also not sure. They don't give a retail price here on it yet, but oh. I have a feeling this might cost a little more than your lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it says even if farmers can't afford to buy the robot, they might not even be able to get their hands on one for some time. They've been pre-ordered and sold out through 2021. So wow. you have to get on a list for this if you want to get them. Hmm. NVIDIA reports severe security bugs in latest software. Yeah, and this is something I use NVIDIA. A lot of people do. NVIDIA yeah. is a company that makes graphic adapters, especially on higher-end computers like gaming mm -hmm. machines and that type of thing. And they offer software, which makes them work. And the new versions of the software is adding things like AI compatibility and some things like that. But the problem of it is, is opening these things up has created a situation where the hackers can get in and update files remotely, that type of a thing, do code execution, escalation of privileges, and if they really get in their denial of service or being able to get Ugh. access to your data. So, Some unfun things. Unfun things. So they are coming out with an update to deal with this. So if you have an NVIDIA adapter and you see the update come up for it, definitely you want to go ahead and install it. Just make sure it's really the update. And we'll uh, see if they're able to fix this. And it just goes to show a lot of times when you get new technology, it does a lot of great things, but there's a, certainly another side to that coin. And uh, unfortunately, you do have to take that into consideration. And it can create some situations where things will happen that you don't necessarily want. Well, like this deep fake video chat now possible. Yeah. I don't, I, I thought that, that's kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> this is really weird. Jeremy, do you want to give us a quick definition of deep fake? Yeah, it's basically where the video is altered. Uh, and we've seen examples of this where they're showing clips from Back to the Future, but with Robert Downey Jr.'s face uh, as uh, Professor Brown and Tobey Maguire, or um, I'm sorry, the current Spider-Man is, is um, Marty McFly. And they obviously can just alter stuff as they want. But now, video chat, that's like almost live. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's taking it a step further. So what happened here is the Dutch figured this out. In the Netherlands, the uh, Committee of Foreign Affairs thought they were talking to the uh, Russian opposition leader's chief of staff. Uh, that's and, bad. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it turned out the whole video was a deep fake. 
and who they were talking to was actually AI powered. So it, it's mm. interesting to see where this goes. And like you say, this is a little bit of a scary thing too. Not because, little. It's very scary. Yeah, because while I could see there there could be certain applications of this in the entertainment industry and stuff that maybe you know you could do. But the thing of it is, is when you take this a step further into tri- being able to trick a government and the yeah. thing mm-hmm. to talking to somebody they're not, there's all kinds of just bad directions that could go. Well, you could start a war. Yep. Yeah, yeah. End of story. That's bad. And, <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be bad. So uh, definitely was something to be concerned about. I don't think this affects all of us just yet, but we want to watch for it because if it's a thing, then it's going to be something that you will start seeing more and more. And to have the ability to have a real-time response does make it pretty dangerous. Smart devices hacked. Yeah, and while that in of itself isn't (laughs) anything too new, the latest one is an air fryer. Yeah. And, you know, we have more and more devices coming out now that are smart devices that are controlled by AI, smart speakers, that type of thing. And there's a lot of stuff that's a good thing that can do. I have a few devices like that, or I've been told a lot. And mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, these can introduce vol- uh, vulnerabilities because it's remote control. Yeah. And that's what we're dealing with here. This particular one was an air fryer where they can hijack it. It isn't too big of a deal because they have to have local access for certain things. The biggest concern here is that it's a baker, so you could essentially turn the temperature all the way up and cause a fire. But we're seeing yeah. this across the board. Vacuums being hacked. A while back, there was a coffee maker smart mm-hmm. coffee maker and all it would do is display a link and it says if you want your coffee maker back send bitcoin to this address <sighs> and the problem with ransomware like that is you don't there's no guarantee that they're going to unlock it for one thing and if they do that they're going to do it right so you know it's something to be careful about they are doing an update on this to uh try to fix this problem but we see these things across the board where this gets scarier is things like home video cameras Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, where an outside source might have access to your house or to the lock on the front door or whatever. So these type of things are definitely something to be concerned about. Watch for updates. Change your root passwords, your default passwords. That's always important. This is user-friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Well, we got to our first Comic-Con this weekend. Yes, indeed. It was fun. So it actually was a lot of fun. It was nice not having giant snowstorms or anything else. Uh, In fact, the weather was actually very pleasant, which which made it a lot easier. We got to go as wizards this year. And guys, I think the costumes came out great. Yeah, they were kind of fun, weren't they? Yeah, for a quick thing, it was great. So, and uh, I don't know, it didn't look that quick. I mean, we got featured on one of the local news stations here in Portland. And uh, Jeremy, you kind of got to narrate the whole thing. So that was fun. Well, you know, when they ask, you got to do something. So, and I think the best way to uh, talk about this is let's actually go live to the floor where we recorded. And we're going to be us talking about what we thought of the event. This was taken on Sunday. And it was a time after we had a chance to look at things. So with no further ado, here we go. Wizard World Portland 2020. 
Welcome back. This is Bill Sickens. We are recording live here at the Portland Wizard World Comic Con on Sunday, where we've had a really good day so far. Yeah, and we're taking our lunch break, and so it's like the perfect time to sit down and hash over everything that we've seen and done. So, one of the things that happened that's really cool is when we were here Friday night, I entered a raffle with uh, Red Castle Games. And they were giving away uh, mats and bags and different things like that. And I never win anything. But what happened? Well, you won the, the play mat, and it's signed by the artist. Yeah, which is really cool. I love stuff like this. I love art. And to have something that's actually autographed is really cool. And we posted it on our Twitter feed. It's this really cool dragon, and there's a castle in the background, and a bridge, and a, and a keep. It is just, like, really neat. And that's at one user-friendly. And, you know, the, this convention is smaller. Now, we were here last year. And anybody that listened to the show last year knows that it was uh, a little bit of a bummer. And it wasn't the convention, it was the snowstorm Mm -hmm. that seemed to stop everybody from coming. But this year we don't have that. It's actually really comfortable outside. They've been predicting rain, but it's been dry and in the 50s. So that has brought everyone out. And there's some really cool cosplays this year. Right now I'm looking at two Mandalorians. Yep, that's them. (laughs) (laughs) There was also a really cool looking guy dressed as Snape. Yep. Yeah, nice, nice. Is it Snape or Snipe? Snape. Snape, Snape, okay. We're not on a Snipe hunt. We're on a Snape hunt. A Snape hunt, okay. (laughs) I can never remember that for some reason. but um, No, but it's kind of cool to see what's around. I wouldn't say it's terribly crowded. Of course, it's Sunday. Yeah. But uh, But there's a lot of families here with their little ones, you know, and their little ones are all dressed up as their favorite heroes. So that's really cool. No, it was actually a lot of fun. And coming in this morning, we were coming here on the train and, you know, as a cast, we always try to use public transit where we can. But the uh, train driver um, was enjoying our costumes, our wizard costumes. If you haven't seen them, check that out on our social media. Uh, we had some great things. You guys made them, right? Yes, absolutely. So Except Mine is not made. Mine's pieced together from various different store-bought things. Because remember, we took like a week to decide, oh, we're going to do wizards. And then we just quickly slapped what we could together. And we made robes for you and for Jared. Now, why are we doing wizards? Because it's Wizard World. Right, yeah. yeah. That's, it was just a dumb idea, but it says Wizard World. Yeah, no, I think it's actually and a really cool idea. we to do something different, something fun. We have some ideas upcoming that we would like to do D&D-style characters. Right, right. And, well, you know, wizards, they're part of D&D? They're very much a part of D&D. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to actually have to try out this game, Matt, at least once, then I'm going to hang it on the wall. But, yeah, uh, that is really pretty. It's pretty. huge. Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of fun. It's... it's uh, it's really cool to see what's going on around here, too. We're seeing some tech. Um, right from where we're sitting, there's a virtual reality booth that has nine dimensions. And you talk to them. Yeah, it's, um, they, they do. It's, it's a little egg thing. So you sit in a little egg-shaped chair, and it, it's got uh, tilt and roll and, and can do all these things. It blows air on you, so it can simulate a lot of things. But apparently, uh, we haven't tried it yet, so apparently... It can go, there's one that's like you're on a pendulum between two buildings, and it does go upside down, and the guy says it feels like you're upside down. So, so right after lunch might not be the best time to try that, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we'll see if we can give it a go. All right, we're going to check things out a little bit more, and we'll be back. Well, it was a lot of fun to do that, and I actually won something. I never win anything. It was this cool gaming mat done by an artist who works for Wizards of the Coast and was commissioned by a company called Red Castle Games. Do I have that right? Yep. Yeah. So what we were able to do was get an interview with them. They do some tabletop gaming and have a store, and then it's set up where you can come in and just try things out and have a very unique rent-before-you-buy-it policy on their games. Here they are, Red Castle Games. 
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. We are live here at the Portland Wizard World Comic Con with Matt from Red Castle Games. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing here. Well, we've got our part of our game library from our store, and people can come in, check out a game for free, grab an open table, and start playing. And so these are tabletop games? These are. We have a variety of different games. We've got Magic Decks we've been giving out, which is a card game. We have some cooperative card games. Uh, we have tabletop miniatures games. There's a lot of different things that uh, can suit many different play styles. Okay, so to give a comparison, our listeners will understand, is this like Dungeons & Dragons? or? Well, actually, I'm glad you said that. We are running free Dungeons & Dragons demos all day. We've run several, so we have a professional dungeon master here on staff, and they're for beginners, so they get all the supplies, dice and character sheets in about an hour and a half. These games here are board games. So we have an interactive board game, some are cooperative, where everybody at the table plays together. They're doing that right now over at this table, it's called Just One, we won the German uh, Game of the Year awards, fabulous, and others are a bit more complex, um, and head-to-head -head type of games, maybe like Dominion, which is a deck building game, or uh, code names, things like that. Where is your store? Our store is located on 64th and Foster's. Here in Portland? We're here in Portland. We've okay. been actually in Portland, Southeast Portland for 10 years. We're celebrating our 10 year anniversary in March. And actually we're just moving. So we're moving up the street uh, near the Mercado, which is on 72nd and Foster's, a brand new building there. And we're opening up a game cafe. So we'll have beer, wine, espresso, private gaming rooms. Okay, exciting. this sounds like something we're gonna have to check Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah, like I, I mean, that sounds great. So, are you know what, keep us in touch and let us know when you open. Absolutely. and. Uh, we can uh, take a look at that. And yeah, we're looking, we're looking at opening up at about uh, mid-February to the end of March, so okay. very soon now. So in about six weeks? Yep. So give or take? Okay, cool. Now that's great. That's great. So what's your website? Uh, redcastlegames.com. Okay, redcastlegames.com. And I can speak to the fact that there are games and other things, too. I want this great gaming mat, yeah. which we're going to put a picture of online. And uh, tell us a little bit about this. I think you said the artist works for, or worked for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, it does. Art is a local artist, and it does work for Wizards of the Coast. They We commissioned this just for our store, the Red Castle, and that's been signed by the artist. And who is the artist? Uh, Doug Schumann. Yeah. Doug Schumann? Okay, cool. Great. All right, anything else you want to tell us? Well, I can say what we brought here was a sample of our game library, so which has hundreds of titles. Customers can come in and check out a game and play in the store at no charge. It's free. And if they want to take it home, it's just $5 for a week. And if they like the game, that $5 can go towards a purchase. So they okay, can so, that's, you know, so you can kind of like rent a game and Basically, see if it works out. You can test drive a game and you can test drive as many as you want in the store. We always have a lot of board game events going on. You can meet up with people. Or you take it home and play at a kitchen table, and if you think, hey, this is for us, you bring it back, you're like, I want to get it, we apply the rental fee to the charge again. Well, that sounds great. Well, Matt, thank you, and good luck with your opening. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's always a lot of fun to see these small businesses and kind of what they can come up with. And I've never seen or heard of a rent before you can buy game before, but I think that's a really good idea. And speaking of such things, really quickly, Jeremy, you bought a game. Yes, I did. It's called Runes and Regulations. It's a game of suburban sorcery. Should be a lot of fun. We'll have to play that and talk about that a little bit more. I feel like I have that every time I walk out of the garage. Support yeah. and sorcery. Sounds good. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is part of the show where you ask questions and we attempt to give you answers. How do you send in your questions? That's a good question. That one I can answer for sure. You give us a call at 503-766-6264 or use One User-Friendly on Facebook or Twitter 
or go to our website at userfriendlynation.com. From any of those sources, you can submit your questions, and we'll try to answer them right here on the show. What questions do we have this week? Is Google TV leaving Roku? So did a little bit of checking on this, and there is definitely a problem between Google TV and Roku. It's one I think that they'll probably get figured out. But Roku is stating that the problem they're having is actually not a monetary one, like what they're paying to carry the Google TV service, that kind of a thing, like you would have sometimes when channels are dropped from cable services. But it's more something to do with what they're calling predatory monopoly practices by Google. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, wow. <laughs> and some of the things that uh, Roku is claiming is that Google's trying to force them to change the microchip design of the Roku device to support specific features in Google TV. And if they don't do it, then Google TV won't let them carry it. These type of things. I think they'll come up with some kind of a uh, resolution to this because Roku and Fire TV are the two most widely uses, used devices for streaming. But it is yeah. interesting to see where this goes with big tech. Did Google really lose its domain name in Argentina? Google.com.ar, which is Google's name in Argentina, expired. Somebody found it as available and they registered it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I can have Google now. Yes, so, that's what happened. This actually, this actually did happen, too. And uh, they got it for just a little bit uh, shy of $6 if you convert it to U.S. money. So it wasn't terribly expensive oh, wow. either. So this just goes to show you do need to watch your domain <laughs> names and um, renew them. And I guess the service that it was on didn't have auto renew, so it just expired and, and became available again. Now, I am led to understand that Google got the domain name back. It does seem to work, too. Uh, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of information available, and Google didn't immediately respond to my request for comment on how they got it back. <laughs> uh -huh. So one can uh, make some guesses there, but we actually really don't know. But the point is, these type of things can happen. Domain squatters are all over the world. That's what they call people that uh, would, you know, register something like this to try, for at least for monetary reasons, to uh, sell it back, if that's, in fact, what they were doing. I think someone just came across and goes, oh, this is available. I'm going to register it. And, <laughs> and that's what they did. So, Okay. Do battery-operated lawnmowers work as well as their gas counterparts? Yes. 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 <laughs> Short answer. And yes, they still make them. It's not a did, it's a do. And, um, well, you know what? I'm going to actually pose this question to both of you because you have a battery-operated lawnmower. And I love it. Yes, it is It is uh, very efficient. It does work really well. It's, you know, on our third of an acre, we can actually mow uh, the front yard and the backyard on one battery charge. Um, it is a 40-volt, so maybe that's where it is. I don't know if the 18-volt batteries have enough power. To, to do the lawn mooring very well, but I know the 40 volt one works really, really good. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is I don't have to worry about um, the gasoline oil, gasoline that gets old during the winter time or spark plugs. It's easy to clean off. It isn't all greasy and yucky. Um, it's not really super loud. It's also not very heavy. Yeah. It, there's just like a lot of real positive things about, I, I mean, I'm actually mowing the lawn because. I can actually start it. We had a uh, gas-powered, you know, the kind that you like, yank on that string and you get it going. I couldn't do that anymore. And neither Jeremy's shoulder was like, oh, I can't do this either. And the, the, with the battery-powered one, all you do is just, you know, grab the handle, push a button, and it starts. And it seems like this might be a little bit greener option, too, because you're not burning fuel. So, yeah. uh, you know, so I could see all the way around if they work well. Now, I'm led also to understand 
it isn't just lawnmowers they make that work off batteries. You can get a lot of other garden things like snowblowers. I guess that would be winter garden. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. They make cordless, like, you know, string trimmers that run on those batteries. They make uh, blowers that run on those batteries. Basically, if you want an outdoor tool, there is a battery option. Yeah, which is which is really nice. Then you don't have to have, like, uh, the cable when you're doing, like, weed eating. And there's quite a few brands out there, too. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I thought when I looked this up is the battery pack looks like something out of Star Wars. It does. Uh, yeah, it's I, cool. It, it, it's like this <laughs> green and black thing that looks like a jet pack or something. So I think that alone would be cool to buy. You know, whether or not you need the lawnmower, just put it on display in your house and say it's a Star Wars collectible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we almost have. I mean, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, maybe not. Anyway, there you are. These are our questions for this week. We will be back after the break. This is User Friendly 2.0. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show today, guys, so far. Yeah. And I know today we're going to be talking about collectibles. This is a question, a number of different topics to do with that that have come up. And send us your questions. That's how we program our show, 503-766-6264. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And that being said, go ahead and give us a start here, Gretchen. What are we talking about with collectibles? Well, you know, when when you go to a Comic-Con and some of these other events, there's always vendors out there with their artwork or, you know, just items like um, action figures, artwork, dice. Legos. Yeah. And the thing is, is we haven't really discussed anything about the collectibles that are in pop culture. And matter of fact, this topic is enormous. You, you even have a mother that collects. Uh, Jeremy has a collection of comic books action figures of all kinds of different ranges. I mean, nice. it, it, you can collect by franchise mm-hmm. or by... Um, Actually, the style of whatever it is. Yeah, and we have another friend who collects artwork. So, uh, And we have a, a collection of lightsabers, which started out from the fact that we collected um, swords and mm-hmm. daggers from um, once doing Renfair. So, Bill, you do you have any collections? Oh, yeah, a few too many. And every time I move, people complain to me about them um, just because it's so much. But, no, I understand exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of things that I, I have an autograph collection. I also have a lot of family antiques and like to collect things like sterling silver. My address is 123 Main Street. And uh, the alarm code is, no, I'm kidding. But the, <laughs> but the bottom line of it is, is yeah, there, there are a number of these things out there. At one time, I used to collect uh, vintage video games like the Atari and all of that type of thing. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. In pop culture, you have some very specific things. And these type of collections actually have two sides of the coin. Number one, they can be worth a lot of money. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the other side is there's a lot of value. It's something that builds a little bit of who you are and what you are and what you like. And some of these things, there's, you know, made for mass audiences, but other things, there's some very unique items that there aren't a lot of them out there. And I know from that standpoint, you, you know, you can get some really, really cool things. 
I know that as a, for example, on my autograph collection, when I got the autographs, they're either people I've worked with or met or that type of a thing. And I would say that two-thirds of them have passed away now. I couldn't get them again. And if I, I went on eBay and ordered one, it'd be expensive. But the other side of it is, is it wouldn't be the same thing as the one that I got in person. Yeah, that, that I think would mean more. And that's one of those things about going to the Comic-Cons. They always have celebrities. And you can always buy an autograph and get a photo and, you know, add to your collection or... Or, you your, know. or from your favorite artist. Yeah. I've also noticed recently I'm seeing more and more vendors and artists or craftsmen selling Dungeons and Dragons dice, these role-playing dice, and they're getting prettier and prettier as as the time goes on. And it's kind of like this thing where you've got to have more. You've got to have the really small ones. You've got to have the metal ones. You've got to have the ones that sparkle. You've got to have ones that are made out of wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and you I know, know some of you're going to get a- weird dice. Get weird dice, but you know, make sure you like them. Well, and it's enough that there was actually an entire booth and a big booth at the Comic-Con in San Diego that just sold dice. Yeah, that was Chesapeake. They manufacture dice. That's their that's what they do. They they sell dice and it's just what they had on display there. I mean, I I have that photo it's like wow. Yeah, so, <laughs> so Jeremy, what are some of the things you collect? I mean, you kind of gave us a 10,000 foot view. Oh, well, I I haven't collected comic books in a long time, but I do have a, a fairly good-sized collection. Uh, I've got lightsabers, action figures. Uh, there's some stuffed animal things, uh, signed art. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Uh, well, I've got some cool, really cool little tiny knickknacks that are um, not just like a little block of something, but itty-bitty toy cars and, and little game figures that, are, that aren't manufactured anymore. And then there's the focus on, uh, you used to collect a lot of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man, when we first met, that was his favorite superhero. And then there's a lot of Boba Fett, which I also like Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and the Star Wars stuff. So we have a lot of those, too. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's amazing how these things sneak up on you, too, because recently I've started reviewing movies, and we've had movie reviews on the show for a while. But one of the things you get when you go to the press screens are these movie posters. So all of a sudden, I've ended up with this huge collection of movie posters to an extent that I think I'm going to need to build more walls in my house because I'm running out of <laughs> wall space. <laughs> yeah, I kind of know the feeling because um, we've got a lot of artwork as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more walls. You need more walls. I guess we're going to start papering the ceiling. I know everybody's going for open concept now, but I need to build a wall around my kitchen just to have a place to put the artwork and posters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, so I'm kind of curious. What do you think our viewers like to collect? What do you think they like to hear about? Well, I'd like to know. Going by the we're going by the, some of the questions we've gotten, there's all kinds of things out there. One of the more unique ones were some Star Wars screen used collectibles, that type of thing, and different. Oh franchises. wow, that's the expensive stuff. Yeah, expend different shows. I know somebody that has the Beekeeper suit from the episode of Lucifer that came out last season. You know, all of these kind of things, which uh, which are just unique, and you're not going to be able to get them again. And people have them and and, and really enjoy them. And, you know, this is actually another topic because there is a certain amount of value. And, and like an older car, if something gets lost or wrecked, you're not going to necessarily got, get what you paid for them. But there no. actually are ways to insure all of this stuff. And a collectible insurance policy, there's a number of providers out there. You want to do some research if you go that route. And I found that one of the very important things to have, not just for the insurance, but just for knowing what's an inventory, is an inventory. And a couple of years ago, I was asked to do that. So I had to sit down and I just got uh, at that time an Excel spreadsheet and 
You can use any kind of a spreadsheet. Google Sheets now is free where you actually can take a picture of each item, put in a description, and then you have a list of all the things you have. So if you do suffer a loss, there's at least a way to get some of the cash back out of them, but you never get the pleasure back of being able to collect and acquire these things. No, and some of the stuff that I have can't be replaced. And some of it has memories attached, like you went to a great event or saw something really wonderful with friends. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a big part of it. And you know, for me, a lot of the stuff that's in the collection, I've got some autographed books and that type of thing too. And it's that's not something you can easily put on the wall. It sits on a shelf. But it's definitely something that has the memory of when I got it, how I got it, who I was with, all that type of stuff. Well, send us your questions on your collectibles. Let us know what you like to collect. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week, guys. You know, it's fun to look back sometimes, and having the interviews from Wizard World was was kind of cool to listen to. I'm looking forward to being able to get some new content pretty soon. Yes. And uh, yeah. as soon as it's safe to do so. There's a lot of events coming up, and it uh, seems like maybe we'll be able to get back to some of them. But as we're still at home, at least for right now, and numbers are still bouncing all around with the pandemic, still looking at things online, and I understand you found a new old movie? Yeah, um, it's called The Black Hole, and I believe it was a Disney It's film? a Disney movie. Yeah, uh, I'd never seen it, though I remember it was a big deal when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Jeremy had seen it and talked me into watching it. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago. I liked it. Uh, I liked all the toys and the tie-ins and whatnot because they were really cool at the time. But it's a, you know, Star it's- Wars came out, Star Trek the movie came out, Black Hole came out, and it was... You know, they're, you've got a really big old spaceship that can generate its own local gravity studying it's a, a black hole. It's a, it's a real retro feel, though. Oh, yeah. You have to be prepared. It doesn't look like Star Wars, no. and it doesn't look like the new Star Trek. Uh, it has that old retro feel. But the story is fascinating, and I'm still not sure I understand the ending. <laughs> so, no, I didn't. You know, the ending has always been a little weird. Yeah, so I don't know really what happened to the people. (laughs) So what I'm going to suggest is check it out and let us know what you think of the ending. It's available on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus. all right, so out there to stream. Other thing in the news this week that's uh, worth talking about is the Game Developers Conference has released the results of the ninth annual State of the Industry Survey, and this is something they do every year. The Game Developers Conference this year will be virtual again from July 19th to 23rd, and we'll cover that when it comes out. But... After doing a survey of about 3,000 game industry professionals that they polled, they found out that about 44% of developers said their games suffered a delay due to the pandemic. So that's almost mm-hmm. half. Yeah. However, most studios grow. 47% expanded staff, whereas 34% remained the same. And, uh, you know, so from that standpoint, it's interesting. Obviously, digital content has been a really big deal the last year. But it affects it across the board. I know initially we weren't even getting new television shows. So it's good to see that this is ramping back up. And even though there's been delays, a lot of good content's coming out. The other thing that came up in this survey is that only 3% of those polled think the 3070 revenue share on digital storefronts is justified. And this is, applies to games resold through things like Steam or your PlayStation Store or your Xbox online store. Those kind of services usually take 30% 
of the price. So if you pay $100 for the game, $30 would go to the person doing the reselling like Steam. And uh, so this does take a lot of money. And sometimes this can actually be more than the studio makes off of a game. So it can be problematic. So I can see why that would be the case. Some other things worth pointing out, the PlayStation 5 is the most popular console to develop for. I'll believe it when I can finally see one. Uh This is still the most popular platform. This is user-friendly 2.0. Until next week, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.